This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Whether or Not, sponsored by TD Bank. I'm WABC Chief Meteorologist Lee Goldberg. Well, we've been heavy on the weather in Whether or Not, recently, and of course, for good reason. We've had a very active pattern in January, a, a barrage of storms, but I promise in a recent episode that once we took a little bit of a pause, which we're in right now as we go into a January thaw, we're going to talk about some more of the knot, but this knot is very, very special. And I wanted to give you a big heads up on a brilliant celestial event that will be coming up in just a short time as we get into the spring, early April to be exact. It is a total solar eclipse. A rare event and we had an annular solar eclipse back in 2023 but this one is a total solar eclipse and we'll explain the difference and it's coming very close to the tri-state area the path of totality across the united states all the way from mexico to maine and we're going to tell you how the best way is to see it how you need to stay safe and the best places to go and for that we have a, a wonderful source of information a, a, a a gentleman who I know that a lot of people in the Tri-State area are going to be super familiar with, probably from the moment you hear his voice and, and certainly when you see him. We're going to talk to one of the deans of meteorology in the Tri-State area weather and also a, a lecturer and an instructor at the Hayden Planetarium. It's Joe Rayo. Joe Rayo, welcome to Weather or Not. It's great to be here, Lee, and uh, great to be able to expound a bit on this amazing celestial site that you just uh, gave an introduction to. Coming our way in the second Monday of April, April the 8th, a total solar eclipse. Joe, before we get into that, I just uh, want to thank you. You know, we, we've talked in the past, but it's great to finally connect like this. But I, I do want to express my appreciation, and I'm sure... Uh, Many people's thank yous across the Tri-State area for your unique style over the years, uh, your weather expertise, and uh, your astronomical expertise. Uh, it's really an honor for me to talk to you today. Well, thank you very, very much. I've uh, When I was on television, I always used astronomy as a way to get people to... Uh, uh, watch because uh, whenever we talk about events such as, let's say, the passage of the International Space Station over our area, or perhaps an upcoming eclipse or a meteor shower, I always found that a lot of people got very turned on by those events. Mm -hmm. And speaking of getting turned on, Lee, I'm going to I, I'm going to make a request now to everybody who's watching this podcast at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. I want all of you who are listening right now to send me your bucket list. And when I get those bucket lists, I'm going to look at it. And if on that list, I do not see a total eclipse of the sun, I am going to take this Sharpie and take the list and go to at least one of those things on the bucket list and add total solar eclipse to your bucket list. You have to see, if you've never seen one before, you have to see a total solar eclipse. It is stunning. A total solar eclipse 
is probably the most amazing spectacle that you will ever see in your lifetime. Consider, Lee, the fact that astronomers travel, in some cases, halfway around the world mm -hmm. to see one of these things. And yet, on that second Monday in April, April the 8th, for many people here in the tri-state area, it is just only a few hours drive to the north up across western and northern New York State to see this incredible sight. And uh, that that's not going to happen too often in one's lifetime unless you're practically in the totality zone. And for 32 million people from Texas through the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley up across upstate New York and into New England, 32 million people already live in that zone of total eclipse. And I don't even know how many more millions of people are going to be traveling to try to get into that zone in the days leading up to totality, because it is, it is going to be, again, an absolutely amazing sight to see. Joe, you're no rookie to eclipses. Your first one in 1972 and made a trip even out to Montana in the late 70s. Is that correct? I've been practically everywhere. Uh, I have. Uh, I, I saw my grandfather took me to my very first total eclipse in 1972, and the reason that he took me was because he said, "You've got to see one of these." And he recalls when he was 16 years old in 1925, seeing a total eclipse of the sun that passed over New York City. Mm. It was it was an amazing spectacle to him. And ironically, I was 16 years old when he loaded me and my grandmother and my mom and my sister into his beat-up Plymouth Fury, and we took a leisurely 900-mile drive up to the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec, where we uh, were able to see a total eclipse of the sun. And as soon as I saw that, I was hooked. And now, uh, uh, with this upcoming April event, uh, this will be my 14th total eclipse of the sun. And I've been, like I said, everywhere. I've been, I, I flew, flew over the North Pole to see one in 2008. And my most recent uh, adventure was to Antarctica for a total eclipse of the sun back in December of uh, 2021. Joe, tell, talk about the mechanics of this, just what's going on with the moon, the sun, the earth, how everything has to be aligned. Well, indeed, you have to get that alignment uh, just right. Uh, and uh, at least twice each year, the alignment is such that you get a, an, an eclipse of the sun. However, it doesn't always happen over your part of the world. Uh, these eclipses have a perverse habit, total eclipses especially, of occurring over places like, well, this, this world that we live on, this planet we live on, is three-quarters water. So more often than not, part of that totality path is going to pass over open waters of the ocean. But also, it seems like uh, the totality will pass over uh, Siberia, or Antarctica or some wide open area in South America where few people live. This is going to be very unusual that this eclipse is going to happen over portions of northern Mexico uh, and straight across the southern and eastern United States and then exiting out over the uh, ocean uh, and Atlantic Canada. The folks in Canada will be able to see uh, this eclipse. Montreal is in the path of totality and portions of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and Newfoundland. So there are going to be a lot of folks who are going to be treated to this. And again, the alignment is such that you need to get the moon directly in front of the sun, mm -hmm. but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes the moon, and you mentioned the annular eclipse last October, the moon last October passed directly in front of the sun, but unfortunately, it was a little bit too far to cover the sun completely. It was kind of like 
Well, uh, I call it the penny on nickel effect. Mm -hmm. uh, pretend if the nickel is the sun and the penny is the moon, no matter what you do, you're never going to cover up that that nickel with the penny because the, the, the penny is going to be a little bit too small. Back in October, the moon was about 250,000 miles away from the Earth, just too far away to cover the sun completely. So when the sun and the moon were completely and properly aligned, we had a ring of sunlight surrounding the darkened moon. That, that was spectacular. Indeed, it was, a, it was a, a most amazing sight, but it was still nothing nothing to compare to what is coming our way in April, because in April, the moon is going to be a lot closer. It's going to be about 225,000 miles away from us, about 25,000 miles closer than it was in October. It will be close enough and large enough to cover the sun completely. And when that happens, when totality hits, it is just a, a, an, an astonishing sight, a, a most amazing spectacle to see. And we'll be able to still see, of course, the changing sun's corona, correct? That's absolutely correct, but only, again, if you're in the path of totality. Uh, here in New York, for example, uh, on that particular April day, April the 8th, we will be treated here in the New York tri-state area to about a 91% partial eclipse. Now, a lot of your viewers will probably say, well, hey, 91%, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's good enough for me. That's fat. No, it's not, because even with that 9%, that slender sliver of the sun still remaining, there's going to be too much light for you to see the corona. And, uh, do you get it, the it, diamond you, ring in that or no? no? No, no, you do not. It is, it is just, it'll be an interesting thing to see because uh, during the maximum phase of the eclipse from New York, that'll be at about 325 in the afternoon okay. on April the 8th with 91%. It'll be kind of like a counterfeit twilight. The sky will turn kind of dusky, if you will. And if it's a blue sky, if we have a clear sky that day, the, the blue will turn a richer shade of blue. Mm. And the shadows will turn sharper because instead of dealing with one big ball of light or disk of light in the sky, we're now dealing with basically a filament of light. Okay. So it, it'll be interesting, certainly, if you stay here in New York. But quite frankly, uh, if I were you and if you were in the New York metropolitan area, I'd take some time to uh, to travel north, probably on I-87, probably the fastest way to uh, get up into upstate New York and into the totality path. People have asked me, you know, uh, so so Joe, should, should I travel on a vacation to go to a place where the main event is going to last for, and totality in this case will last for about four minutes? Should I, should I spend all that time to see something that's only going to last four minutes? Yeah. Um, Yes, yes, <laughs> because you're going to see this event and you're going to remember it for the rest of your life. I promise you. It does I guarantee sound breathtaking. You, no. nobody, nobody, walks away, nobody walks away from a total eclipse and says, well, it was nice. It was better. <laughs> no, this is an event of a lifetime and you have to go see one before you die. Let's get into the specific timeline now. You mentioned 325 in the afternoon in New York City. But if we're talking about whether it be that, you know, eastern Ohio, western New York State, upstate New York, what time are we talking about with that? What, what's the window? Generally speaking, for uh, places, and there are a number of big cities that are going to see sure. this event, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, um, upstate New York, uh, Plattsburgh, mm -hmm. Syracuse, Rochester, all of these places are probably going to be getting uh, into totality sometime between about 3 and 3.30 in the afternoon. So right. the sun is going to be high in the sky, and uh, you're going to see the sky go from bright daytime to uh, uh, 
basically it will get about as dark as it does about 30 or 40 minutes after the sun goes down dark enough so that you will be able to see some of the brighter stars mm. and planets and also you'll be able to see this beautiful uh saffron or orange coloration rimming the horizon all the way around a 360 degree sunrise and sunset and everything is going to change very quickly um, you've, you've got so many things that you've never seen in your life and you've got it all crammed into just a few minutes time how much alien stimulation can a mind process in just a little over three or four minutes <laughs> you're, you're really going to uh, uh, be looking around and, and looking up and it, it just again it's an amazing spectacle it's so difficult to describe if you've never seen it before but it's one that is well worth uh, trying to see Joe, the, the correct me if I'm wrong, but the path of totality roughly 100 miles wide. Is that correct? In this case, about 125 miles wide. And in fact, some of you may remember just seven years ago in 2017, we had a total eclipse that went from coast to coast, from Oregon all the way down to the coast of South Carolina. The path of totality for that event was only 70 miles wide, mm. and we had approximately 11 million people who were inside of the zone of totality who lived inside the zone but this is going to be a wider zone this is going to be about 125 miles across and it will go again from uh texas all the way up to northern new england 32 million people is the uh, estimate leave for those who live inside of the totality path and you know we often say when thanksgiving rolls around that the uh the days leading up to thanksgiving is the most heavily traveled time of the year everybody trying to get to grandma's house for the big feast i i think that this year the most traveled heavily traveled day uh for people by car by train by plane by bus is probably going to be the days leading up to the total eclipse of the sun because i'm sure a lot of people many people millions of people are going to try to uh get inside of the zone of totality this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify pos has everything you need to sell in person Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ready to see it. Okay, so you're in the zone of totality, so you can get your total solar eclipse. The closer to the center of that path of totality, you're going to maximize the time you can see totality. So I, I want to get into sort of this planning because, you know, it's not too early to plan. And in some cases, it could be too late with what you suggest, the heavy travel into this area. In your experience, do you have a plan B, a plan C to be on the move? Obviously, we're talking about upstate New York. So early April, we've got a problem if we've got our prevailing winds off of the Great Lakes. And we, I mean, I worked in Syracuse. It's cloudy until we get deep into spring. So sky cover it could be a serious challenge. So how do you handle um, that type of decision-making in terms of your options? With the knowledge of knowing of what was coming more than a year in advance, I made uh, hotel reservations in Dallas, Texas, which is in the totality zone, in Little Rock, Arkansas, also in the totality zone. I also, believe it or not, uh, Lee made uh, a reservation at a hotel in Syracuse and also in Plattsburgh, New York. And I have a friend, uh, uh, my wife has a, a relative who lives uh, not far from Cincinnati, which is just outside of totality. So basically about a week before the eclipse, 
with a good knowledge of uh, what the uh, hopefully the mid and long range uh, computer guidance is suggesting, I will choose what part of the eclipse track looks the best for weather, mm. cancel the reservations in all of those other places, and uh, uh, center or plan to head for that particular part of the eclipse uh, path that I think will have the best weather prospects. Now, again, I did this more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, now with the knowledge of what is coming along that eclipse track, hotels have already uh, realized that hey, this is going to be a, a a big, big thing for them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many hotels have increased the uh, amount of money that you would pay out. Let's say for even for a a, a hotel that might charge seventy five or a hundred dollars a night. I know that uh, there are some hotels in the zone of totality which may still have rooms available uh charging three four five hundred i've even seen one hotel asking for upwards to a thousand dollars for one night to uh uh for for the uh for the solar eclipse so what i would suggest is perhaps not necessarily go for a, a hotel in the totality path but maybe go for a hotel that's maybe a few hundred miles outside the zone of totality and then drive in either with your own car or rent a car drive into totality of course then you also have that situation that there may be a lot of uh, traffic mm-hmm. uh, leading into the uh, eclipse track uh, those electronic signs i remember back in 2017 warning people uh, solar eclipse coming right. expect delays yes. on many of the roadways so we may see that come uh, come uh, the days leading up to april the 8th okay the actual event itself watching it safely if we're in a partial eclipse zone we're going to need our solar glasses um but in the path of totality can we look at it with the naked eye do you recommend that and then uh, adding on to that Photographing them. Well, I, <laughs> I guess I have my yep. answer. There uh, we. These are ahead. these are not these are not sunglasses. These are actual uh, eclipse shades or eclipse glasses, which you can find on uh, online. If you uh, uh, go on Amazon, for example, uh, you can uh, probably buy a, a pair of these glasses. Now these are these are fancy. These are like sunglasses. They're in a plastic frame, but you mm-hmm. can get. Um, an eclipse, a pair of eclipse glasses mounted in a cardboard frame for maybe only a couple of bucks. Um, I would suggest you make sure that it also has, that is a certified eclipse glasses, that they have an ISO number on the uh, pair of glasses. Because the last time in 2017, there were some folks who were selling eclipse glasses that were not certified and were not the best for, uh, for viewing. See, the thing about eclipse glasses is, you want to knock out not only the visual or the, the 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 bright part of the sun, but also the sun is emitting infrared and ultraviolet radiations. Mm-hmm. This is why we don't tell you to go 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 and use regular sunglasses. You may get sunglasses that may darken the sun, but still the infrared and ultraviolet rays are coming through those glasses and burning your eyes without you immediately being aware of it. So you need to get special glasses that are made of a special type of plastic which absorb not only the visual but also the infrared and the ultraviolet uh they are made of a special plastic either polymer or mylar Mm -hmm. and uh those are the safe glasses to uh to get again you can probably find them on amazon there's also a company out in the uh, western united states in california strange name but they have been manufacturing eclipse glasses for, for more than three decades um rainbow symphony 
<laughs> go on rainbowsymphony.com or look up Rainbow Symphony glasses on Google. They are the best uh, place to get uh, special glasses. You're going to need those glasses for the partial phases. Okay. So if you're in New York, you're always going to need eclipse glasses to, uh, to look directly at the sun. But as you just noted, Lee, once you're into totality, once the entire sun is covered by the moon for those three or four minutes that you're in totality, take those glasses off. You can look then directly at the sun, again, only during the total phase of the eclipse, and especially so if you have binoculars or a telescope to enjoy the sight of that beautiful corona or those beautiful uh, prominences that extend outward from the uh, dark disk of the moon. That's the only time that you can look directly at the sun is during the total phase of the eclipse. But at all other times, even when the sun is 98 or 99 percent covered, okay. that tiny little bit of sunlight that still remains is still dangerous. So you still need those glasses. But once you see that diamond ring in the sky and the sun goes into total eclipse, take those glasses off and just soak it all in because that is that's going to be a, a, a beautiful, magnificent sight to see. Uh, in terms of photographing, uh, it, most people will think, you know, is my phone going to cut it? Do I get a special filter for my camera? You know what, Lee? I tell people who are seeing or going to their very first total eclipse, don't photograph mm. it, please. I mean, just what you want to do at your very first eclipse is just because so many things are going to be happening. Mm -hmm. The sky colorations around the horizon, the approaching shadow, the corona, the stars appearing in the sky. Mm. You don't want to waste time fiddling with your phone. But if you need to do that, uh, what I would do is I would get a tripod, mm -hmm. mount your phone on the tripod and just determine what am I going to look at? What am I going to aim it up toward the sun? Mm -hmm. Am I going to aim it at the horizon or whatever like that? Just set it up, aim it and just let the camera do its do its thing. Because I, I as I say, I, I would not want to be bothered. I, I, I know uh, and this goes back now. Uh, we, we no longer have cameras that use film anymore. But I remember uh, a story a friend of mine told me uh, at an eclipse in the early 70s, he was trying to actually load film into his camera during totality and he dropped the film on the floor and he spent most of totality trying to find the film and load it in the camera. And, and after it was all over said and done, he said, you know what? Here's the best way to see an eclipse. Just look at it. Just enjoy it because uh, don't we, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an event that, again, you need to uh, just soak in uh, rather than waste your time uh, using uh, your camera. And, of course, you just mentioned about, you know, do you need a filter? If you have a camera and you have a telephoto lens that right. can, you know, make the sun's image large enough, and you put the filter in front of the uh, the camera lens uh, and aim it up in the general direction sign, then you probably will get some good views of the partial phases. Okay. But again, totality and uh, for the for the actual main event, just sit or stand and watch and look. So maybe for veterans of eclipses, something else interesting that we could do, because it, it might be possible that I could listen to the coverage of this eclipse on a radio station out of Cleveland, right? Well, you know, at night, and I'm sure everybody has accounted this in one time or another, uh, you t turn the dial on your AM radio, and sometimes you can hear Cleveland, as you mentioned, or St. Louis or Chicago, but you can't do that during the day. And the reason why you can't do that during the day is that in the ionosphere, there are several layers, so to speak. And one of the layers is filled with ionized, uh, is, is, is an ionized area 
which prevents radio waves from traveling very far during daylight. But once the sun goes down, that layer, that depletion layer in the ionosphere disappears, and now the radio signals go high, high up into the atmosphere, bounce off the top of the ionosphere, and get reflected hundreds or even thousands of miles. That's why you can hear radio signals from distant places at night. Well, during the time when the total eclipse is happening over big cities like Cleveland, for example, or Dallas, uh, or near to some big cities like St. Louis, darkness is occurring in those cities, and it's almost as if it's nighttime, and then the radio signals act as if it were night, and then you're able to hear possibly the signals during the daylight hours. It's, you can't hear, for example, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, on your AM radio during the daytime, mm-hmm. but maybe when the shadow is passing over Cleveland, and Cleveland has experienced a total eclipse, you turn your dial to uh, a station, I know it's at 1100 on the AM dial, mm-hmm. uh, WTAM. You could hear TAM at night, you can't hear it during the day, but maybe uh, for a few minutes during the daylight hours when Cleveland is in the totality, mm. you'll be able to hear that radio signal, only again during a total eclipse. So it's an interesting little experiment that I've suggested. It'll be in the uh, April issue of Sky and Telescope magazine where if it's, if it's cloudy, and we hope that that's not gonna be the case, but if it is cloudy, Tune your radio dial to stations that are going to be in the totality path, mm-hmm. and maybe you'll be able to hear for a few minutes radio signals that normally cannot be heard during the daytime. That's so neat. Um, back to that uh, discussion of of a sky coverage that it will be so critical. Uh, you've seen so many of these. Have you've seen it with broken cloud cover? Can it still be spectacular? I mean, as long as you know that you're not going to a, a totally overcast situation where a storm is, is locked in over an area. Um, what would have sort of been the, the, the bandwidth of the sky coverages you've seen eclipses in? It's interesting you ask that question. My very first eclipse, the one that my grandfather took me to in 1972, we had 99% overcast skies. Mm. We were so fortunate that at the time when the total eclipse occurred, this one little patch of clear weather was on the sun and we were able to see nice. the uh, the corona now for the rest of the sky it was amazing i you were actually able to see the clouds acted as a screen and we were able to see the oval shape of the shadow projected on the on the cloud cover moving overhead and we were also able to see different colorations i in fact the clouds went from battleship gray just before totality to i guess the color of an iodine bottle Mm. i mean that weird kind of uh, effect and again we were able to see the passage of the shadow projected on the clouds as it moved over us and then past us so even when it is a a cloud-filled sky uh you are going to see a, a most intriguing or most interesting sight you'll be able to see the shadow rushing in on you over you and then moving past you uh it, it, it certainly is not anything to compare to seeing it in a clear sky but it is certainly something that uh the colors and the change of the sky brightness and darkness uh still is something that is uh, going to be well worthwhile to look for um Joe, before before I let you go, I'd, I'd be remiss uh, to, to not ask you. I want to just throw you a little curveball as we head uh, maybe after halftime of winter here and, and get a little bit of your thoughts uh, as we press the pause button on winter. I was hopeful that we maybe could have another little comeback in February. Little concern based on some of the, the recent data I'm looking at. But I, I'm wondering what you might think after we get past that first week of February if a week, winter could have a resurgence. You know, it's very funny. Um, uh, the month of December, a lot of people were uh, very 
especially the winter weather lovers, the people who enjoy seeing snow uh, or enjoy when the temperature falls well below freezing, uh, saying like, oh, dear, it's a, here we go again. It's going to be another another winter, another bland winter. And meanwhile, I, I said that uh, to all of these people, I said, you know, we're not working with the same script that we had last mm -hmm. December. And that, uh, in fact, it was interesting that um, in those years where Central Park had a paucity of snow, we only had like 2.3 inches of snow last year. Right. The very next winter, we ended up with a lot of snow, maybe not uh, a tremendous amount of snow, but certainly a lot more than what we had the previous winter season. I said, you know, it's going to change. I'm sure that we're going to be seeing some changes. And sure enough, in the month of January, we did see that flip to cold weather and snowy conditions. Now, of course, we're backing away from that and we're going into a milder weather pattern. But I think, uh, Lee, uh, that uh, this is going to be one of those uh, winters where we're going to be alternating. We're going to go mm -hmm. through periods of cold and snow like we just went through. Now we're going to see a period of milder weather. And then I think we're going to go back uh, sometime during uh, February and on into March to another round of cold and possibly snowy conditions. And who knows, we might we might even see a, a resurgence of cold and snowy conditions uh, into the latter part of March or God, I hope it doesn't happen uh, in early April. Uh, oh. But I think I think I think before this winter is over, uh, even the uh, folks who enjoy snowy and wintry conditions are going to uh, are going to be pleased. I, I, which is not going to be like last year. I don't think we're we are going to have our share of cold and snow. It won't be con constant. Yeah. But I think we're going to we're going to kind of it's going to be an ebb and flow pattern. We're we're going to go from mild to cold and mild to cold. That's that's my personal opinion as to what we're going to be seeing uh, for the balance of this winter. We're already half halfway through meteorological winter. I know. And. Um, uh, astronomical winter the halfway point comes again right around groundhog day so we'll we'll see how the second half uh is as a pair uh, opposed to the first half you can always hear joe's thoughts in the, in the joe and joe show when he pairs up with joe chaffee some great information there but you also of course are giving talks as we head toward this solar eclipse your lectures some of your talks just wanted to get uh, or give our our listeners an idea of where they can get more information from you well, all they have to do is just write to me or email me directly at Joe Rayo, mm -hmm. Rayo with R-A-O, yes. not R-A-Y-O, Joe Rayo Weather at gmail.com. And I will send anyone who writes who is interested uh, information on, again, as you mentioned, Lee, I thank you very much for uh, mentioning this here on uh, the podcast. I, I'm giving two different presentations, one on the mechanics of how an eclipse happens and also the other presentation is all of my adventures, all 13 of them, <laughs> chasing eclipses around the world uh, and uh, indicating just how spectacular these events are. I've been giving them, giving them to uh, libraries and to civic groups. Now there is a fee, there is a fee for, for these talks. Uh, you'll find out if you write to me about that. However, for the libraries in particular, uh, who have found that the fee might be a little bit excessive uh, for one single uh, establishment to uh, to absorb. Uh, I've had several libraries come to me and say, "Can we band together and join together to get the the the, the talk?" And I said, "Sure." It's a way to uh, divide the cost, so to speak, and it's all done on Zoom. Uh, these are virtual talks. They they go for at least an hour, and after the talk is over, take ten or fifteen minutes uh, Q and A from folks on the chat board, and it's been very very successful. Now, I'm already booked. 
through April and through most of March, but there's still a lot of room in February. So if you're a library or a civic group and want to get involved and want to uh, tell people uh, more about this amazing event that's coming up in April, uh, this total eclipse, contact me again at joerayoweather at gmail.com. I'll send you all the information and who knows, maybe we can get together and uh, talk more about this uh, spectacular and amazing celestial site. That's great, Joe. And just before I go, the, the next opportunity for a total solar eclipse and will it actually with a path of totality come close to the tri-state area? Was it the 2040s I was reading? Uh, the next really good total eclipse for the United States will be August 12, 2045, like the one in 2017, that's going to go coast to coast. It's going to oh. uh, reach oh. the Pacific coast, head south and eastward. And by the way, six minutes of totality is going oh, to occur wow. over Port St. Lucie, Florida and Disney World. <laughs> so what a, what, a, what a place to, you know, people say, hey, we're going to go to Disney World. Well, there's a, there's a good reason to go to Disney World, in my opinion, August 12, 2045, to see a total solar eclipse. And P.S. Lee, if you want to stick around for the next total eclipse of the sun over New York City, over the tri-state area, it will occur, put it down on your calendar, okay. on Tuesday morning, May 1st, 2079. Wow. That, that, and that will occur, by the way, right after sunrise. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep taking my vitamins. We'll see what'll happen with that. Take your vitamins and uh, do a lot of good wishing, but uh, well, so it goes. That's great stuff. Uh, Joe, I, I can't, I'm sure you, you've gotten me more excited about it. I was already pumped up as it is, but I'm sure our listeners are, are very uh, intrigued by what's going to happen in this uh, breathtaking celestial event that's going to happen in early April. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, maybe joining you uh, under the umbra in uh, in April. Uh, I am uh, I am not I have not planned like you have, so I may ask you if there's a, a cot available in one of the many hotel rooms that you've booked. <laughs> well, I I hope that uh, you do uh, come on into the uh, shadow, uh, Lee, and uh, it'd be great to share to, to to bask in the lunar shadow with you on that uh, special day uh, in April coming up. Joe Rayo, meteorologist, meteorologist extraordinaire, but also um, uh, lecturer and instructor at Hayden Planetarium, Hayden Planetarium, excuse me, an expert, of course, on eclipses. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, it, it's it's great to connect. Uh, I know this won't be the last time. I, I hope you return to weather or not, but thanks so much for all the amazing information. It has been my pleasure, Lee, and thanks to all who are watching this podcast. And uh, again, let's hope for clear weather on that uh, special Monday, April the 8th, coming up this year. It'll be one of the most critical forecasts uh, of the spring for sure. Um, I know all the, the, the holidays always are on the top of the priority list, but the solar eclipse forecast, uh, that extended forecast is gonna be one of the hardest. So hopefully it's a layup and all of a sudden we just have a big dome of high pressure in the area. But thanks again, Joe. Absolutely, and we'll hope to see you, Lee. All right, so that is uh, this edition of Weather or Not, talking about the uh, total solar eclipse, which will come on April 8th. Uh, super exciting. Uh, we'll start to give you a feel for the overall weather pattern leading, leading into the early spring then. And, of course, uh, you know, to get details on exact sky coverage, we'll have to get a little closer, but at least we may have may be able to give you an idea on what parts of the country will be a little bit more favorable for viewing, and we'll make sure you know that in the AccuWeather forecast. Thanks so much for watching and listening to this episode of Whether or Not. We'll see you next time. Rain or shine.